Oh no! <laughs> oh no, you can't go that way, pal! Where have you gone? I had me pulled the wrong way. This is maybe why not many people keep mangalits of these, because they are fairly big and strong, I aren't mean, they? what? God, it's strong, yeah. Running a field to fork restaurant comes with its own challenges, and on this farm, there's perhaps nothing bigger than the pressure of breeding and farming your own animals. But with meat on our menu, I want to be able to reassure our guests that they're getting the best quality possible, that not only tastes delicious, but it's ethically and responsibly farmed as well. So in this episode of Seasoned, I'm joined by McFly star and MasterChef finalist, Danny Jones, as we get hands-on with our pigs. Come on, sunshine, this way. We want you in there. Yeah, pig, pig, pig. I'm Tommy Banks, and in this series, I'm taking you behind the scenes at my restaurant, The Black Swan. Here, you'll meet my incredible team who turns seasonal produce into unique dishes, with a little help from some special celebrity guests. It's March the 1st, and this is Seasoned. Episode 2. Danny Jones and Pork. Before we begin, I want to say a thank you to our sponsors. This podcast is only possible because of True Foods. True Foods are an incredible family business who make the best stocks and sauces. True Foods provides stocks to some of the best kitchens in the UK. One, two and three Michelin star restaurants use their stocks as the base for their recipes. And now, their stocks and sauces are available for you to buy at home too. I'll tell you more about them later in the episode, but you can check out their product range and find lots more information in our show notes. It's been a busy week here at Oldstead. Since we launched the podcast last week, diners have been asking us more about it. And members of my team, well, they've become a bit suspicious. They've been all too aware that there could be a microphone capturing what's going on down at the farm. And everyone has been talking about the shortage of salad, tomatoes, cucumbers, which are no longer in the abundance that we expect in the supermarkets. And I'm hoping that this has made a few more people realise the options of buying locally and, of course, seasonally. And we've had some new arrivals, 10 baby Oxford Sandy and Black piglets. But we'll come to them a bit later because our first special guest of the series is on his way to visit. You might know Danny Jones as the guitarist in the band McFly, or as a judge on The Voice Kids. But he caught my eye when he came runner-up on Celebrity Masterchef in 2022, and I'm told he's absolutely obsessed with fine cooking. So I've invited him up to Olstead so he can see what we do, and, of course, he can give me a hand. Danny, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, mate. Welcome to The Black Swan. Thank you very much. It's a lovely spot you have here. So yeah, this is the this is the Black Swan, which is uh, my restaurant. So when you were getting a little school bus out there, you think one day I'll have that? No. <laughs> to be honest, no. <laughs> I didn't know anything. I was growing up. I wasn't into food at all. You're quite into food, though, aren't you? Well, same. But when growing up, I wasn't. But I am now. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have a pizza until I moved down to London. A pizza? <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate. I know it's shocking, isn't it? Wow. I know. Yeah, we'll talk about that after though, you know, it's a sore subject. Nestled just behind the restaurant is our extensive garden, and I wanted to show Danny where all our fresh fruits and herbs are grown. That's incredible. A big bag of stuff fresh from the garden, nice. I think it's amazing. I think yeah. it tastes different. Oh, I don't know. 100%, yeah, yeah. 
we're growing solely for flavor. Whereas okay. I think when you're buying things in the supermarket, they're not grown for flavor, they're grown for like commercial reasons, like yield and like to a cost, aren't sure. they? Sure. I'll never forget, there was one, uh, <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous this, but I hope you understand. But I went to Japan and we went to this teppanyaki restaurant. It was amazing in this beautiful garden setting. And from the garden, they brought in this like baby lettuce. Right. And it was just this little cup of like, and it was like with this little dip. And I was like, what's this? I want to get to, you know, I want to get to the Wagyu, come on. <laughs> and I've never tasted lettuce like it. It was this, it was like a, it's like a prawn cracker, but not prawn. It was oh, just like so crispy and oh, like, just like there. I was like, Japanese are incredible at like getting flavor into things. And like, it was a bit of lettuce. It, yeah. I can see Danny will need little persuading when it comes to the benefits of fresh seasonal produce. When's the season, when does the season start for this garden then? So we call this period of year the year the hunger gap because like it's there's nothing here and it's <laughs> okay. bloody cold and wet. Um, what do you do in the meantime then? So we have um, we have something called the preservation station, okay. which is like full of preserves. So we do a lot of fermentation, all these sort of Japanese techniques. Yeah. To be fair, a lot of pickling, make oil things. So this time of year, the menus are very heavily led by things that we've preserved from the year before. Wow. So okay. you get these massive flavors, like the lettuce you talk about, these sort of like big umami things. Yeah, yeah. But then, uh, and then when you get into sort of May and then properly into June, when this is all like growing up, June, July, August, September, it's just super fresh, really light. Yeah. I think that's special though. You want to eat seasons because then it's more special when it's the middle of summer and you eat that fresh tomato or something. Absolutely, like, yeah. It tastes amazing. I remember my mum banging on about when I go to uh, when I go to the supermarket. She's like, "Don't get any strawberries; they're not in season. <laughs> yeah. Only get British ones when they're in season." <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the mantra of the podcast. Yeah. I love this. Yeah, I'm like, all right, mum. And I've I've always remembered that as a kid. They do taste better. I mean, it, they do definitely taste better. Way better. Seasonal produce is everything to me, and when the garden is flourishing, it's all hands on deck to get it gathered up. But it's not herb picking or vegetable growing that I've asked Danny to help me with today. One of our groups of rare breed pigs is ready to move outside, so I'm hoping Danny is ready to get his hands dirty. We should go find my dad. Yeah, does he look after this then? Is he the, the boss of the farm, is he your dad? Yeah, it's my dad and my sister-in-law. This might be him now. Hello, mate, nice to meet you. To I've heard so much about you. It's fair to say my dad hasn't heard quite so much about McFly, but he's ready to offer a Yorkshire welcome to our visitor. Just been in the back of my pickup yeah. and got a pair of clean overalls because I thought a guy like you needs some like this. There we go, yeah, absolutely perfect. Thanks so much. Yeah, because we're, we're going to need these, am I? We're shifting pigs, so yeah. Right, I've never definitely. done that before. Look at this, proper. Wow. I'm protected from the pigs. And so. Fully kitted out in some unusually clean overalls and Wellington boots, it's time to go and find the pigs, who are all housed in one of our polytunnels. Hello! Oh, see, he's tickling his ear, look! Yeah, it's he's nice, loving it? it. They're very affectionate. So the pigs are inside, obviously, this time of year, because yeah. it, well, it's cold outside, isn't it? But also, it's all part of our sort of try to, not so much with the pigs, but they have this sort of regenerative farming idea. So basically, the pigs are in here in the winter, and obviously they're loving life, it's nice and warm from here, but also they're digging up the, the soil, they're turning it over and they're doing all the business in it as well, so fertilising it. Right. And then as soon as it gets warmer, they'll go outside and then we can get our first crops in here. So we'll have like new potatoes probably first and like peas and then we'll get some tomatoes and chilies in here later on. So it's that whole cycle thing. And then when they're all finished, pigs come back in for the winter again. We have three breeds of pigs on the farm and last week 
we had our first baby piglets born onto the farm for over 50 years. Ten little piglets who were cuddled up to their mum in a corner of the polytunnel. Oh, <laughs> that is gorgeous. What an amazing thing. They're all just like, give me that milk. How cute are they? They're week old today. These are doing really well. Oh, congratulations. We don't want to disturb the piglets. They're in the best place. They're next to their mum, keeping warm. But it's another group of pigs which we do need to move. There are Hungarian special breed pigs called Mangalitsas. A Mangalitsa? I've never seen that, look at his curly hair. So it's supposedly like the, the Wagyu of the pork world. Is it? So they, they're very friendly. Hello. Oh. Look at the hair, look at that. Look at that hair. Ah, he just bit, he just <laughs> bit me leg. <laughs> I just had surgery on that, pal. <laughs> you smell all right. <laughs> Before Danny becomes a part of their lunch, we need to move these six mangalitsas, weigh them, and transport them outside to the field. How much will these weigh now? We're going to put them in the way now. That's the job. Oh, all right. So, we can have a guess. so we'll find out. Guess how much do you think they weigh? I think they'll weigh 145 kilos. 145 kilos is a lot of weight, and these pigs have a habit of not going where they're told. So the job today is to move them, one at a time, along the edge of the tunnel, into a weighing machine, and into the back of our trailer. It might sound simple, but I can assure you, with that much pig to move around, it's anything but. Where are we going? Where are we going? Get them out. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. The first oh, of the quiet. hefty pigs is out of the pen and on his way to the weighing machine. But with only Danny stood behind him, he spots an opportunity to make a break for it. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, no, you can't go that way, pal! Where have you gone? I had me pulled the wrong way. Five minutes later, and the pig is rounded up and back on the march towards the trailer. Come on, sunshine, this way. We want you in there. Yeah, big, big, big. Do you understand where we want you? This is maybe why not many people keep mangalitsa pigs, because they I are mean, fairly big what? and strong, aren't they? God, it's strong, yeah. Go that way, pig. That way, you got to turn around. Go on. Do you think that pig's too wide to go down that? I think it is, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe how strong it is. And after a little bit of gentle encouragement, it steps forward and into the container. Oh, he's happy now, isn't he? He's got luxury in there. Look at that. One down, five to go. Are you happy now, mate? With most of the farm team on hand, we make light work of the rest of the mangalitsas, and it's a job very well done. Even if the last pig to be loaded up has another nibble at Danny's now not so clean overalls. It's very entertaining. Hey, get out of here, boy! <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the one that bit me earlier. <laughs> Those pigs are loaded up now. We're going to take them across the, the field and they'll be out now for the whole the rest of the year. Um, so they'll be foraging and having fun. But, yeah, thanks for the hand, Danny. That was. Uh, Listen, I, I weren't much of a hand, but it was a good experience. <laughs> a bit different to any other podcast you've been on, I'm sure. Absolutely. Probably the best experience I've had on a podcast so far. <laughs> Brilliant. Moving some pigs. It's a short drive across the farmyard, 
and the pigs are released from the trailer into a large open field. With an abundance of grass and vegetation for them to feed on, they look, well, as happy as a pig in a large open field. There you look go, at that. look at that, your new home. Look at all the space you got for activities, boys, eh? <laughs> it's so fun to see them. It's great, it's so good. It's different to my life in London, I love it. Right, we should go get cleaned up and uh, get a bite to eat. Yeah, and a cup of tea. Perfect. Love that. While Danny goes to get out of his overalls and get cleaned up, I want to tell you all about another seasonal ingredient. Here at the Black Swan, we're no stranger to unusual ingredients, but the seasonal menu embraces the humblest produce too. And I want to celebrate a vegetable which I don't think gets a right lot of love, the turnip. When we're constructing dishes, it's about just getting them perfect marriages. Um, and with, with turnips, I love to use them uh, with fattier meat. So I like them with lamb a lot, like from roasting lamb, but also pork. They're not necessarily the most fashionable uh, ingredient, but I just think they're, they're so wonderful. When they're small, um, they're almost like a little radish, like a little crudite. They can be quite uh, peppery, um, and then you could serve them raw or pickle them, and also just cook them down in a little bit of butter and a stock in like an emulsion, and they go incredibly sweet. In the summertime, I tend to use them more on fish dishes or things like scallops, whereas in the winter, when they're a bit older or we've been storing them, that's when I tend to serve them with more fatty meats. They're, they're sort of richer, I think, and you know, something like roast pork or lamb, they're the perfect foil in winter. But of course, at the Black Swan, we developed one or two techniques to really elevate the turnip to new heights. A fermented turnip puree is actually one of the best things that we ever make on our menus. It's just sort of sweet and sour and umami, and it's just like the perfect condiment for for fatty meats. If you're looking for some inspiration at home, then you might want to follow my mum and dad's recipe. A really simple preparation, often when I come round to mum and dad's for Sunday lunch, because they always just cook the veg that we've got growing on the farm, you tend to get things that you wouldn't expect. So often they just, big turnips, they'll just quarter them and then they'll just roast them with the roast potatoes. I know that sounds really weird, but they kind of go quite sort of mushy in the middle and like really sweet and they're, they're quite a nice, uh, nice thing to have alongside your roast dinner. I suppose neeps and tatties, the Scottish love them, don't they? They always cook in turnips um, and roasting them. So I think as part of your roast dinner, they're a great accompaniment. They're definitely a, a vegetable that we should eat more of. I want to tell you about our series sponsor, True Foods. If you've not checked out their website yet, then why not? Visit True Foods Limited and you'll find their range of fresh stocks and sauces, all available to be delivered straight to your door. Clearly, I love True Foods products and I use them myself and that's why I'm recommending them. But a little confession as well, I actually drink a flask of True Foods beef stock every day. It's my pack up. It's packed full of protein. It's so good for you. There's no added nasties. So not only do I cook with True Foods sauces, but I drink it too. If you're looking for a healthy option for your lunch, as well as something amazing to cook with, I can't recommend True Foods highly enough. Listeners to this podcast can use code SEASON10 to get an introductory 10% off their first order. That's SEASONED10 for 10% off, just for listening to this episode. 
As a chef, I love turning any occasion into a celebration. I'm all about the cooking, and I want others to be able to do the same. That's where Made in Oldstead comes in. Made in Oldstead delivers multi-course menus from my kitchen straight to your dining table, whatever the occasion. You just go online, pick a menu that you fancy, and we'll do the rest. It'll then arrive at your door, perfectly packaged with all the instructions you need to finish it off at home. It truly is fine dining on demand. Even better, listeners can get a discount on their first order by visiting madeinoldstead.co.uk and using the code PODCAST10 at checkout. That's madeinoldstead.co.uk, capital letters, PODCAST10. If you listen to lots of podcasts, you'll be used to hearing adverts. But in Seasoned, we also want to celebrate some of Britain's best small food businesses who don't always get the exposure they deserve. This week, I'm going to talk about Cooper King Distillery. They are based not far from us in North Yorkshire, and Abby and Chris, who run the distillery, are just amazing people. I love their herb gin. Uh, I think that's one of the nicest gins I've ever tasted, but it's not just me who thinks this. They're starting to get stocked in loads of of, of top retailers. So look out for Cooper King Gin. Um, You won't be disappointed. Now, back to the episode where earlier on, McFly star and MasterChef semi-finalist Danny Jones joined me on the farm. But now, we're sat in the restaurant, and I want to know if he's always been a food lover. I was such a beige eater as a kid. Me too. Right? Yeah. Chips and chicken nuggets. Cheese sandwiches. Was, cheese sandwiches. That's what I had every day, cheese sandwiches. I had cheese and apple. I wasn't into food, like, it was literally anywhere we went in, on holiday, it was chips, tomato sauce and chicken nuggets and, sp- and spaghetti bolognese. That was yeah. it. That's all I ever ate. And when I got moved down to London, on my first pizza. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of pizza was it? Oh. Straight a, margarita? No, believe it or not, I think it was ham and pineapple. Oh. I know. You went straight in there went with the exotic in. Hawaiian. Yeah, I went straight in. But again, sweet and savoury. It was a yeah. cheese and apple thing. As I travelled, we started going to restaurants and smelling different foods and tasting different foods and having different experiences. And and that's when I started to get into it. Mm. And I think it was a teppanyaki restaurant when I saw the chef doing his thing. That's what blew my mind. And from him cooking it to the flavor and eating it in, in on that table in Japan was, that's when I was like, wow. Like you would look to someone who's a, you know, playing music or something. That's how I looked at yeah. chefs. I'm like, oh, it's, Especially when you're watching that experience. I mean, he is an artist, really. Yeah. So that's the amazing thing about, um, you know, your career. You do get to travel the world. Yeah. And therefore you see all these different cultures and their food culture. And I think every country you go to, one of the most interesting parts of culture is actually food. Yeah. Well, you'd be walking around like the streets of Argentina. Yeah. Like Buenos Aires. I'll never forget it. And and you're starving, right? You look somewhere to eat. The smells that were coming out of the restaurants from these places. And I recall them at times like, this is the place we need to go. Have you tried this? And that's the thing is like, you meet people along the way that introduce you to new experiences. And I, I was then brave enough to go, you take me somewhere and I'll eat whatever you put in front of me. And it, uh, luckily I was brave enough because I was very fussy as a kid. So I was like, you know what? I'm missing out here. From, the te- from, from that experience of the Teppanyaki restaurant where it was one of those moments where I'm like, I've tried it, I liked it. It opened up new, a new world. So have you, have you tried anything quite outrageous then on, on your travel, especially if you've been in like Asia or somewhere? Uh, in Brazil, I tried uh, Brain. Nice. <laughs> what did you think? Uh, didn't go, it didn't go with my beer. 
<laughs> it's very, it's very rich. It's very like it uh, was like fatty. a schnitzel though. This one, like deep oh, the fried, deep like, fried. Yeah, yeah it's flat and quite yeah. a nice way to have it. I think if anybody's listening and never had brain before, and then they've probably never had sweet breads either. But sweet breads are like that. It's another sort of quite fatty, rich gland, which I think it's an acquired taste, isn't it? It is, but. Yeah. They're quite a delicacy in a lot of countries. I guess in Brazil, I bet that was like probably the best bit they'd given you. Yeah. Um, didn't float your boat. Didn't float my boat, no. No. <laughs> no, I preferred the kind of like, you know, when they come with a skewer and the meat's coming off it and they just yeah. keep piling it up. That's what it's more Argentina. I'm really interested by Danny's food journey because as he recalls each meal and taste from his travels, he paints a vivid picture and it's because he remembers it all. Smells to me are massive. I, I wear different aftershaves as well for different experiences. Like when I got married, there's a certain smell. When my son was born, there's a certain smell I'd wear. And, and, so and it, it that, reminds me of the memories. That emo evokes memory. So, yeah. So that um, smell of, you described of being in Argentina and the smell of the restaurants, that, oh, would, that smell of smell. like roasted meat would take you back to that time. In Absolutely. Your, in and that's one of my favorite things to do at home. I really like that because that. I feel exactly, I think taste and smell are too huge and it is true. You're transported to that. It can be childhood things, quite nostalgic sort of smells or like quite romantic things like yeah. when you got married and stuff. Yeah, I, think yeah, it, yeah. I, think it, I think it's beautiful. And I think it's interesting because it's a question I always get asked and I'm probably, I'm going to ask you really. Like what's, yeah. you know, can you think of like your favourite meal or something like that? It's a question I get asked a lot. And, and actually often it's not in a Michelin star restaurant or something. It's actually a whole combination of scenarios like you might be in Argentina and the sun was shining and actually everything was going well and you were with your mates and they were they were roasting the meat and it just smelled amazing and and, and actually who's to say that's not the best meal you've ever had in your life because yeah. it's actually more about the emotion that absolutely. it evokes than the I mean I say this as a chef but as like the technical like wizardry itself absolutely yeah I mean there's, there's a few I, I can't say I've got a favorite dish I can't say I've got a favorite cuisine because I'm so open to a lot but there's, mm. there's memories attached to them yeah. You know, say if we're on holiday in Greece, I remember eating my first ever seared scallop, you know, and, and having uh, um, uh, an Italian fiano with it. And I was like, <laughs> like yeah. the sun setting, I'm like this white wine with this scallop, like what is going on? Like Moments. this creamy awesomeness of like, I don't know, it was amazing. And then I remember going to um, this other restaurant where I had some um, ceviche. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. And again, a bit of that. And it was like, came on some like garlic snow or whatever. It's like an Icelandic restaurant. Uh, um, had another taste of wine with it. And the way it, it was the first time I ever got goosebumps from food. I was like, how am I getting, I'm not gonna get it from music. Yeah. I'm getting goosebumps from food. Like, what's that about? And it was just, uh, me, and, me and my wife love it. We love, that's our thing is going out for, for meals and having experiences. Although since starring on MasterChef, Danny told me he's found invites much harder to come by. So doing Celeb MasterChef, you might get a bit what I get where no one wants to cook for me. So I go around people's houses and they're like, oh, they apologize before they've served it to you, isn't they? And you're like, I literally just want to have tea. Like, come on, calm down. That's so true. It's exactly the same. I don't get invited over for dinner anymore. <laughs> so I was like, we want to come to yours. I'm like, all right, cool. But then they'll have expectations that you're going to rustle up something really gourmet. And Yeah, I'm, but I do, because I, I do enjoy it. Yeah. I do enjoy it. I really do. So is it a hobby then, would you say? Cooking? Absolutely. Yeah. Like for me, like, I got into cooking as a mindfulness thing because yeah. like it slowed my brain down. Yeah. It's like I can concentrate on that thing and put my phone to one side, put some music on, open a wine. Yeah. Suddenly I relax and I get into it. And, and I never, all MasterChef did was give me confidence mm. to then, you know, try certain, 
I've never seen some of the machines they have in there. Yeah. The equipment they have in there is amazing. So you end Do up- Do you have some gadgets at home then? A few, yeah. Like I've, I've been brave enough now to make my own pastas. I've been oh, brave enough to like use, you know, uh, to try and experiment with some desserts. And the, the latest thing I've got is my, a new, I had to get a good knife. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I had to get a good knife. Yeah. Comes in a little leather case, chop, you know, cause chopping, I like chopping. Yeah. <laughs> I like to, you know what I mean? I like to. Yeah, but it's a very, it's relaxing, very, it's very, very precise though, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. in a Japanese cuisine as well, yeah. to get it all neat and all that. And the thing is as well, like, like I'm just a home cook really. I'm not, mm. you know, but I enjoy the presentation of Michelin star and I like the, you know, like I'll never forget watching some, the tutorials that I watched to even get me through MasterChef. Master classes, uh, stuff like that I'm watching. Like, so you were like proper swatting up before you, you went on? And yeah, I mean, I did it before because I enjoyed, like, you know, to get. I've always wanted a water bath at home. Yeah. You know, okay. Is it called Suve or something? Yeah, Suve. Suve, Suve. And I'll never forget that. Like, but I've just not got into that yet. I've not stretched that far. But I'd love but to get into all that. To be fair, thing. like sous vide, so that's cooking. Um, sous vide means under pressure, so cooking in a vacuum bag. Yeah, yeah. slowly, actually, right? Slow temperature. Bit of a, cheats way of doing it to be is fair it? i mean the measure of a good chef is someone who can cook without needing sous vide oh, but okay. sous vide is very handy it allows you to do things very precisely and it's foolproof so mm. you know if you had a sous vide machine at home you could put something on to slow cook like you say yeah. go out for the day come back it'd be perfect right but the measure of a really good technical chef is someone who can do it old school in a pan you know because if you can do it all the proper way so oh, i think okay. learning learning to cook uh, a lot of chefs won't uh, if they teach an apprentice something, they probably wouldn't want them to use sous vide until they knew how to do everything old school. Brilliant. They do it properly first. So if you poach a piece of chicken at a certain temperature for a certain amount of time, it can't not be cooked right. Got you. But if you do it in a pan, okay. you've got to have that precision, haven't you? You've got to know, you've got to be more intuitive, you actually feel it. And obviously in professional kitchens, you sous vide a lot, but I think like the magic of cooking is more hands-on. It's more like intuitive and more like you're feeling it. Um, that's so interesting mate because like I always felt like I was in I love pan cooking yeah. and as soon as something goes in the oven I forget about it it distracts me like, yeah. I'm done just, but like, like I love being in the pan it. seeing it and having yeah. it all now doing two or three things Yeah. so that's filled me with a bit more confidence yeah. there mate that's what, I, that's what I love about it though yeah, yeah it is good the sizzle and the sound and yeah, I love it all mate I do yeah. um, I, I do have the bug for it but I'm not I'm, I'm definitely a glorified home cook I think it's fair to say Danny is underselling his foodie know-how, and even his basic home cooking repertoire has a few splashy additions, which I'm I'm going to make a note of. My thing now, and the only thing, so there's two dishes that are my wife's favourite, and one is my homemade pasta. Nice. Um, and I do I do um, kind of a tagliatelle with a homemade pesto. Nice. Um, and it's just turkey meatballs on the top, right? Nice. But it's but it's caramelised with Liam Perrins. Ooh, naughty. Naughty. That is a new Marmite yeah. bomb. Yeah. So this is it, right? These are great tips. So, like things like Marmite, Liam Perrins, I, at home, I put Liam Perrins in so much stuff because it's, it's got like so it. much depth of flavor. Mm. I mean, you think like you talk about Asian cooking a lot, like soy sauce is like a staple ingredient yeah, in, absolutely, yeah. in most Asian cooking. But Liam Perrins, why is that not a staple Mate, ingredient in all British cooking? Honestly, like the amount of, the amount of, Things like that that cross over yeah. into different cuisines, and there's an, there's another one where we do more of an Argentinian style where it's like I'll cook a fillet, um, I double rest it. Though. I don't I don't know why I've just always done that. Double rest it so there's no blood on the plate and all that. Chimchurri, fresh chimchurri, nice. and I do like a homemade alioli, crispy yeah. potatoes, and I pour it with paprika buttered pine nuts. Ooh. Like it's like in there, like, it's like. But then the latest invention I did, I cooked for a mate the other night, 
And I did like this scallops in a sweet corn puree. Then I did some sushimi. And then I was like, I need some meat. You know what I mean? I need some meat. Oh, I did some tempura and I did some meat. And I accidentally, I was like, you know, I'm just going to make a marinade up. Soy sauce, mirin, honey, all sorts went into it. And I put it in and I forgot about it. And I forgot about it uh, for two days. And I, as I pulled it out, it already half cooked. It was, yeah, all, it was almost, almost like braised. Yeah. And all, I seared it and then I put all the sauce in and that was one of the best dishes. Yeah, yeah. And I just I just accidentally came, like literally was like, right, that's one of my things. And I still can't remember what I put in that uh, marinade, <laughs> which kills me to this day. I'm getting a it kills me. really good picture of how you cook that because you're talking about massive flavours there. Sounds like yeah. you're, you're saying, I'm, I just want everything to be so full of flavour. Where you're saying you're talking about mirin, soy sauce, Liam Perrins, yeah. like, it's like getting these big flavours in. It sounds, I think, I think I'm think i hoping that you're going to enjoy my food. Mate, I, that's what I'm all about. What I've heard and what I've seen, like, it's right up my street. I've asked my kitchen team to prepare our newest dish for Danny to sample. It's a pork dish made from our own Berkshire pigs, which are on the menu for the first time. We've used the tenderloin, made a faggot from some of the other cuts, and we serve a beautiful slice of the jowl too. I don't want to waste anything, and I've paired it with some baby turnips and a banging flavorful sauce, which should get Danny's taste buds tingling. So, Danny, this is Alice, who's the, the sous chef here at the Black Swan. I'm so excited, I can't, I, honestly. So this is our pork dish that we have on at the moment. Berkshire pigs, and we really want it to focus on as many cuts as we can. So the tenderloin there, we've cooked really, really gently, and then we just finish it on the barbecue, dressed with a little bit of herb-infused pork fat. It's a faggot there on the left, so we use the shoulder, the belly, the liver, some lardo as well, and that's just spiced with some mace, so a really nice kind of classic spicy flavour in the background. Hidden underneath there is a crispy pork jowl, so we kind of describe it like pork belly but on steroids. And then on the side there, you've just got a real celebration of apples and turnips. Obviously, we're still quite early in the year for growing lots of stuff, whereas sure. apples and turnips show up for us, which is nice. So you've got some baby fondants there of a turnip, young leaf over the top, some pickled fresh apple, and then the black dots. It's just a black apple puree. Is that, is that, is that it? I'm so glad you made me one too. No, it's uh, sad to dine alone, so you might as well dine as a pair. It smells incredible. Thank you, Alice. That's, Thanks that's so good. much. Time to tuck in, and don't forget, if you want to see the dish and get the full ingredient list, then we'll post images on our social media and all the details at the end of the episode. So, the fillet, that's sous vide. So that's actually, the, I think that's the best way of doing it. So you get this really- Oh, is it? Is this? So you okay. get a very even um, cook, but then you can see the bar marks on it's gone on the barbecue. Because the fillet is such a lean, it's got no fat in it at all, such a lean thing, it needs to be cooked really gently. At what point are you barbecuing? First or after? After. After. Yeah, okay. so it goes. You've got to be careful with that, have you? Do not uh, overcook it or? Yeah, or is you, it super quick? Yeah, it's just very quick. You get, you get that sort of layer and then um, brush it and um, can we render the fat down, put loads of garlic and thyme and rosemary and brush it in that. So, whilst it's on the barbecue? Uh, yes, and whilst it's resting. I really, I'm a really big fan of brushing things as they rest and keep getting like more, licking more flavor over it all the time. This is the thing. So is, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there, it's still cooking whilst resting, right? Mm -hmm. that, and that's where a lot of, so my friends always say, how do you get your steak out? I'm like, I rest it twice because mm. it's still cooking over there. It's residual yeah. cooking, right? Exactly that. I think- So you want to take it off before it's exactly. where you want it. Yeah. So I think people should start writing recipes in a totally different way. And they should start saying the cooking time should include the resting time because it's part of the cooking yeah, time, right? Yeah, part of the cooking time, yeah. So for instance, if you want to get the core temperature of a steak to be 50, 
four degrees mm. into medium rare. She'd take it off and it's 44 degrees in the middle. Yeah. And it will rest up 10 degrees. And that is part of the cooking. Oh, yeah. okay. And then you don't end up, like you say, with like you cut it open, you end up with blood all over the mm. plate and no one really wants that. I think, again, like my mates didn't know this. And I was like, you should cook every bit of meat you cook, it should always be at room temperature. Yeah. Let it out, relax, get it, bring it to room temperature. Mm. Yeah. And it doesn't go into that kind of tightness, does it then? No, and you get more... And the rest it for as long as you cook it, is that right? Exactly that, yeah. You're nailing it, yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, so starting from room temperature means you're going to get a more even cook. You're not going to get it like brown on the outside and still a bit raw in the middle. Uh, and the resting sort of is a continuation of that. It's probably a more gentle way of doing it, really. Honestly, I go mad at my mum. She says, can I have it cooked like this? I said, mum, let me cook you a steak. Mm. And I cooked her one, and it was, you know, pink in the middle, because she doesn't like the blood. I'm like, I understand you don't like it, but why do you always order it when we're out and you know you're not going to like it? <laughs> so she goes, can I have a bit more done? I'm like, no, please don't. So I'm, I'm sat there embarrassed. But um, I cooked her one, and she absolutely, yeah, she, she understood it then. I was like, come on. This is incredible. Absolutely incredible. That that so tender, isn't it? That mm. pork. And that yeah. sauce is like an absolute hit with mm. it, isn't it? Yeah. It finishes like, it with a little bit of white pork, which is sort of sweet and sticky. With plates almost mopped up, there's just enough time to ask Danny about his favourite seasonal ingredients. The podcast called Seasoned. Yep. So it's all about the seasonality on the farm. I ask every guest, is there something that you can only get at a certain time of year that you'd like to have all year round? So like, if the se if you could extend the season, or even if it's like a Christmas food or something like well, that. Well, this is it. I, I was actually going to say, because you can make so much from it, Was would parsnip count? Yeah. Because okay. parsnips are terrible when they're out. Like, like you can't, it's yeah. not, they can be bland and hard to Very cook. Very starchy as well. Yeah. But they can be really sweet and tender when they're in yeah. season. Exactly, yeah. And you can you can have you can have them as purees or you can make I think for like you can you can do a lot with that. So yeah. I think I'd, I'd like that. Wow. I wasn't expecting you to say parsnips, yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah, I know it's, it's a weird not, one. It's not, not a rock star ingredient. It's really. not a rock star <laughs> ingredient at all, is it? But, but I, I think I'm just um it's from what I've just eaten as well, it's kind of tri maybe triggered that. Yeah, like well, I feel like parsnip would work quite well with that sort of dish, wouldn't it? Yeah. Get that sort of sweet but earthiness. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with parsnip though, because I feel like it's more... I think that's a unique... I don't think anybody else will say that. Yeah, so it's a bit more think, unique. Think and it'll go with my steak cooking. When it yeah, works. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Who'd have thought it? Even rock stars can be kept happy with something as simple as a parsnip, if it's in season. And speaking of rock stars... Danny told me that his band's new album has taken nearly as long as some of my most complex dishes. <laughs> Over two years. Two years to make an album? Yeah, this one's taken two, yeah. When, when's it out? Um, it's going to be out the early end of this year, definitely. What? 100%. What a treat. Brand, <laughs> brand new season podcast released. <laughs> Probably not as big a deal as your album. But a real treat for people this spring. Yeah, mate, what's in season? McFly's album. <laughs> There's an ingredient for you. So two years, is that the longest you've ever had over an album or other albums took that long? It's the longest. Yeah. Um, but it's been the longest because we had the time to do it and it allowed us to live our lives whilst doing it. Which is so important. Which is important because yeah. then that's happiness, that's brings you you're fresh yeah you know and it's important that 
you know. So we've got loads of shows throughout the year. Hopefully the tour will be coming. Hush, hush, I didn't tell you that. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an exciting year uh, for, for us and we're super proud of this album. It's going to be, hopefully it inspires kids all over the, the UK, all over the world actually, to just pick up the guitar and play and rock out in their bedrooms. It's very 80s rock inspired. Nice. Danny, thanks for coming up, mate. Um, really, really was a pleasure to have you up on the farm and just talk food with you as well. I can just see how passionate you're about it. And uh, yeah, good luck with everything you've got going on this year. And hey, I'll get you a bit of bread to mop up the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having me, mate. Absolutely, honestly, love today. Love the experience. Your food tastes incredible. Next time, I set Dickie the challenge of creating a new product using the pork fat we have left over. Got a lovely uh, sort of zero waste product. I mean, I've never seen that before. It's bright green. I get a lesson in artisan charcuterie. Oh, it smells good in here. You can smell the smoke and the meatiness, but also like a little bit of a acidity, I think. Yeah, the fermentation, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh. And the incredible pastry chef, Ravani Gill, pays us a visit at the Black Swan, and she gets her hands dirty making the bread. For more information about Seasoned, check out my website www.tommybanks.co.uk or check us out on social media. If you've enjoyed the episode, please leave us a positive rating and a review. It would mean an awful lot to me and it really helps to support us and get this podcast off the ground. Most importantly though, tell your friends, tell someone else you've enjoyed it. Maybe they'll join us on our journey too. Seasoned is a What's the Story podcast. It's hosted by me, Tommy Banks, and produced by Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis.